You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Robin McMahon here and welcome to Parenting Our Future. Today I have another really special guest. Her name is Lori Palau and she's the author of the book Hot Mess, a practical guide to getting organized. She's the host of a popular weekly podcast, This Organized Life, and is the founder of Simply Be Organized, a lifestyle company helping people live simply and work smarter. She has also been featured in national publications, including Real Simple and the New York Times. So she's kind of a big deal. I just want you guys all to know. Um, She's also a self-described homebody, a coffee lover like me. She lives in Bucks County, Pennsylvania with her husband, Josh, two daughters, and dog, Jeter. Love it so much. Welcome, Lori. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, it's awesome. Now, we are talking about how to get organized, how to stay organized, how to be organized, even when there is chaos all around us, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I think now more than ever, you know, we are, we are forced to be staring at the same four walls. So yeah, yeah the level of kind of like, I'm going to go and plan something, a distraction outside so I don't have to deal with it, isn't something that we're able to do at this current time. So a lot of people are struggling. Yeah. And so I I was joking uh, originally when, you know, when the the quarantine happened that I'm going to have the most organized house in the entire world because I have time. Turns out I don't have as much time as I thought I would have. And it hasn't happened quite the same way. Uh, But there definitely are some boxes and bags in my garage that are going to go to Goodwill as soon as they are willing to take that stuff. But, um, you know, in general, clutter does represent present a lot of different things, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I always say to people that clutter is really the symptom. It's not the problem. And trying to identify kind of the root cause of it, and which is going to look different for everybody. And I, you know, that's a lot of what I do. I always say, I like to pretend like I'm a therapist. I'm not, but I'm like a little clutter counselor for people to really unpack kind of where it came from, what it stemmed from and why we either choose to take action or, or not, you know, procrastinate or, um, you know, what, whatever the situation is. And I think a lot of people when, you know, we first went under quarantine, I think a lot of people felt like, oh, I'm going to use this time as that reclaim time to clean that closet or pantry or garage or whatever. And then the reality set in of what our new normal was and actually the added responsibilities, especially for anybody that's listening, that's a parent, which I'm assuming is, you know, the majority of your, of your community. Now, not only do we have the everyday expectations that are on our plate and we may have had to adapt them, but now we need to take on the role of educator Mm -hmm. and full-time cook and cleaner and all of the things. So like you said, when we thought we were actually going to have more time to tackle these things, our, our time, our, our actual time is being sucked as well as just the mental drain Mm -hmm. that this has taken on us. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that um, (laughs) you listed all of our new jobs, plus we're therapists, plus uh, a new to me is a barber. Um, I'm now going to open up a a haircutting uh, (laughs) studio here in my house. Um, You know, all of those things that we haven't experienced before, and it does take us away from those jobs. And, And this school, this 
homeschooling is no joke. And for all of us who never signed up for, for homeschool, uh, it's, it's just, it's no joke. And, uh, and, and, and look, you know, what I want to say to everybody listening, you know, and if you are connected with me on other platforms, I am really passionate about saying this. And that is that this quarantine does not have to look perfect. You do not have to have a quarantine plan. Maybe if we had six months to plan for this time, we could do it differently. But this was a surprise. This was something that we never could have conceptualized in our minds. And uh, in talking to a, a, a client yesterday, just yesterday, she said, look, I, I just, I want this time to be about connection, but she has four kids. She runs her own business. How can, you know, how can this be about connection when she's got to school for kids, run her own business, you know, also cook full time, clean full time, um, you know, organize the family full time, all of those things. And we don't have the same uh, activities to do and that sort of thing. We don't have those same things, but there's still other things that are going on and we don't have to do this perfectly. I don't want anyone to look back and say, oh, geez, I should have taken advantage of that quarantine in a better way. No, it's okay. You're doing the best you can. We're, we're in survival mode right now because there is a threat of danger of of you know of being sick this is real and so that anxiety is also something we're dealing with too which is where the therapy part comes in but at the same time we're feeling it too and we know we know that stress is contagious so if we're feeling it our kids are feeling it and that shows up in their behavior as well so it's you know there's so much about this time right now that we've taken and added more pressure to ourselves, right? But what I know, and the reason why you're here talking today is because look, the reality is we've got to still parent our kids. It's okay to still expect and require them to show up and do things that they normally would do, right? We don't want to now just throw parenting out the window. We want to say, hey, look, I still need you to keep your room clean. I would still like you to do this and, and that, take the garbage out and make sure that, you know, you clean your, your plate after you've used it. So tell me, um, like if I was to say to my child, I need you to go clean your room, something as simple as that, what is your take on that? How do you tell us to do that? Okay. So this is a great question and one that I love because I think that, well, first of all, I know that most parents have the best of intentions and want to be raising functional members of society, uh -huh. right? We want our, we want our kids to learn these life skills mm -hmm. and there are things that we just oftentimes take for granted that our kids should know, just like as parents and, you know, people think that we should just know things, but organizing is a learned skill, just like, just like cooking or knowing how to properly exercise or whatever else you want to do. Right. And so some people are naturally more gifted right? Yes. Are there people that can just come up and play the piano with never taking a lesson? Sure there are, but most people need to have instruction. They need to have a roadmap. And so being able to kind of set that is, I think is really, really important. So the, one of the things that I just want to kind of say before I get into the specifics is the information I'm going to share is universal. So this is not just applicable under quarantine. This mm -hmm. is not just applicable in a pandemic or a crisis. These are great life skills and tools that you can use at any point in any different area. But specifically when parents, when we're talking to them about cleaning your kid's room or cleaning the playroom or an area, one of the things that happens is I see a lot of generalization. And what I find is it's really important, especially with kids, to be very specific because my definition of what a clean room looks like is very different than what a seven-year-old, and even take a seven-year-old, you could take five seven-year-olds and it's all going to look different. But to them, that could mean, okay, I just don't want my toys on the floor, so I'm going to push everything under my bed. Or, 
you know, I'm going to throw everything in the closet and shut the door, which to me is not really cleaning or organizing, you know, as I'm using totally. air quotes. So I think one of the first things is to be specific. And so if you know that you're, so it's, I'd like you to pick up all your dirty clothes and put them in the hamper. Like that's a specific task. It's definable. It's actionable. Um, I think you should chunk it, not give them everything. Because think about yourself as an adult. Organizing, actually, I want to take a step back. Is that okay? Like I want to just take a step back. So one of the things that I talk about, and I talk about it a lot on my show and also in my book, is what I call the five clutter pitfalls. Mm, okay. And I just want to walk you through them and then we can always come back and unpack them, but I just want to kind of walk through them. So they're procrastination, overwhelm, guilt, indecision, and time, right? So there are a variety of reasons why clutter will accumulate, but usually what what stands in our way are at least one of those five clutter pitfalls, okay? So if you can start to identify kind of where you are and like looking at your own patterns of behavior, are you somebody that, you know, procrastination is, I just don't want to deal with it. So I'll, because there's something else I'd rather be doing. That is one area, but sometimes it's overwhelm. And a lot of times our kids are overwhelmed as much as we are. And so we, we procrastinate as a result of the overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And the same goes true with indecision. If you don't know what you're supposed to do or where something's supposed to go, people, most people have a fear of making a mistake. So if you are not sure what to do with something, say you got something in the mail as an adult, right? You get mail and you're like, do I need to keep this? Do I need to file it? Am I going to need, I'm not sure. Should I hold on to it? A lot of people will just put it in this pile. This I'll get to it later because there's a fear of making a mistake. So there's this indecision. I don't know what to do with it. So I'm just going to put this here in this temporary holding pattern. And before long, the clutter will accumulate. And it's not out of laziness. It's not necessarily out of any other reason as you're just not sure. So now let's look at that and apply it to a kid. So they have this messy room. So maybe they, maybe they don't know what the home is or they don't know the method. So something as simple as there's clothes on the floor or Legos, right? If you have that. So saying a specific action, I want you to take all your dirty clothes and I want you to put them in the hamper. That's a specific action with this is what you do. If you have a defined bin for your Legos or your toys, I want you to pick your Legos up off the floor and put them in the Lego bin. That is a specific, that's a specific tactic that you're asking them to do. A task, they could do it, they could check it off, like brushing your teeth or making your bed. So saying, I want you to go up and clean your room, that might be, okay, I'm just going to shove all the clothes and the Legos somewhere. Mm -hmm. But being organized to me is about the ease of retrieval. And when I talk about reducing clutter, and one of the many benefits of reducing clutter is how quickly can I find what I'm looking for? Not how quickly can I put something away? Because anybody can take something, and I'm sure you might be guilty of it, or your spouse might be guilty of it, or your kid, where like someone's coming over and I just am going to take all this stuff that's sitting on the counter and shove it in a drawer, right? Yeah. But that, the, so then the clutter is gone from your visible view. But then the question is, when you go to need that fill in the blank, how long is it going to take you to find it? And it's about reclaiming time. That's really what it is. And that's a hard thing for a kid to understand. I just want to stop for a second. It's, that is so cool what you just said. Like, 
like ease of retrieval. Like, I just want to think about that for a minute because the reality is, is that that's going to save you time later. I'm all about the putting the effort in so that it saves you time later. Like that, I just, I want to just sit with that for a second. That is really smart. There is, and, and what it's uh, bringing up for me, it's reminding me of this quote that I saw, um, which is ex especially true for me, that I get more cleaning done in the three minutes before someone's about to come over than I do all week, right? And there is, um, and my husband and I refer to them as heaps. <laughs> like, I got a heap in the pantry. I got to, I got to sort out, which is papers, which is school, like class pictures, um, some cords that I don't know what they're for. Um, maybe some old birthday cards. Like there is this like heap of stuff and you're right. I look at it and I look at procrastination, overwhelm, indecision, guilt and time, those five pitfalls. And I think, shoot, I am definitely guilty of that. It's probably overwhelm. It's probably indecision, but that leads to my procrastination. So yes, I totally get you there. And I never knew that I was doing those five things, but I am. And I don't know what to do with stuff. You're absolutely right. And so I, you know, there's so much in like society about wanting to like, to not label people and not label things. But I, I think in some regard, like a label is helpful because then it gives you permission to say, okay, so here's the problem. It's not an excuse for it, but now that we've identified, this is where I'm struggling. Now we can develop a strategy to work through it. You so know, it's not labeling it as much as it is naming it. Correct. I right? like that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm just going to name it. Like, look, I am too overwhelmed to keep my heap organized <laughs> or I'm too tired to keep um, my heap organized. And here's the thing. If I, mom, can't keep organized, then how can I expect my kids to? Because I haven't modeled for them what that means. Because like you said, some, yes, some people can uh, sit at a piano and play it, but let's be honest, nobody really, like the, the, the percentages of that is, is next to nothing. So most of us, I think we can say in general terms, we're not taught how to do it. All we do is what our parents did, right? What was modeled for yes. us. Who knows how good they were. They might've been um, stuck in guilt, uh, time constraints, overwhelm, indecision, all of those things too, right? Yeah. And I mean, we had talked offline about it and you look at generationally the expectations of things that our parents had to do, or, you know, I wasn't involved in four different travel teams and this and that and the other wow. in terms of extracurriculars. So it's not just the added expectations as parents, but the added expectations on kids and what their time and their bandwidth is. Mm -hmm. So I think giving them this roadmap of what it looks like is very freeing. And I, as parents, I know I've been guilty of saying, let me just do especially when my kids were smaller, like it's just, let me just do it because it's quicker yep. and I want to get it done and it'll be done right. Or it'll be done the way I want it. And let me just get it done. But in the long run, you're not giving them those life skills to teach them. So in terms of modeling the behavior of putting in, the work on the front end to work with them and say, this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And again, saying, and I always use the example of, you know, a bookshelf or a bin, you know, and this is how we do it. And I don't know if you want me to kind of walk you through on a top line, like what I do. Yeah, let's um, do that. Okay. So I use what I call the ESP model. It's something that I, I just thought it was easy and catchy. And it basically, it stands for empty, sort, and purge. So it's the ESP model. And what it means is you're going to empty a space. Now, let me put a disclaimer out there. That doesn't mean you have to, and this can go for adults and kids, but it's a great thing. Kids will remember the ESP. I do a lot of talking to like assemblies at schools and things of that nature. They will remember the ESP. It doesn't mean we're going to ESP their entire room. It means we're going to ESP a shelf. It means we're going to ESP, a, you know, we're going to ESP a bin of toys. So mm -hmm. a manageable area. Mm -hmm. And if you're talking about an adult, you don't necessarily ESP your entire kitchen. You do a cupboard or a drawer, yeah. right? So you, you want to have those small little wins under your belt. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is you empty the space so you can see the clean 
you could see the clean space. It gives you visually this white space to look at. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you create four piles. The mm -hmm. four piles are keep, donate, recycle, and relocate. Now that relocate pile is like the key caveat because a lot of times people will hold on to things because they don't necessarily use them, play with them, wear them, but they're not quite ready to part with them. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be that in between. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the relocate pile could be something as simple of, you know, your kid was, you know, brought a dish up to his, his or her bedroom. You know, they were having a snack. Not that you, I'm a proponent of having food in the bedroom, but let's just say, so the book, the, the book, the, you know, the dish or the bowl or whatever doesn't belong there. It's not going to be recycled. It's not going to be donated. It's going to be relocated. So you start creating that pile, but the relocate could all, or the relocate could also be um, a keepsake, something that your kid, and again, we have to manage that, the volume of it, but the relocate could be something of like, you know what, this is a you know, something that I really loved. It was a keepsake from when I was a kid and I'm going to relocate it. And as parents, it's our job to work with our kids as opposed to kind of ripping it out from them and telling them this is, you know, I'm getting rid of it to say, okay, we're going to relocate this. And if you don't play with it in three months, we're going to get rid of it. Or, you know, we're going to donate it, not get rid of it, but we're going to give it to less fortunate kids or we're going to do something else with it. So if you say, these are your four piles. And you could do this with kids as early as like two and three with pictures, you know, and you could color code them. So even if they're not reading words, you could say the red pile, you know, do like a, you know, anything, put out a piece of construction paper and anything that we're keeping is going to go, you know, on green. Anything that we're getting rid of is going in red, you know, whatever. You can make it super, super simple. And you can create games, right? And again, this depends on your child. But if you have two young children, you could say, okay, we're going to do like an organizing race. Let's see who can get through this the quickest, right? And that organizing way, race, yay! <laughs> because it removes the ability for them to kind of ruminate on things because how many times have the kids, you know, got, oh my gosh, I love this. I've, you know, and meanwhile, that it's been sitting in the bottom of a toy bin for six months, you know? So I think it gives them this, like, well, we're going to make it fun, you know, and we're going to do this. Um, so there's different ways that you can do it for appropriateness for, you know, per age and knowing your kids. But I think, again, the key is to give them the tools. This is what we're doing, the what, this is what we're doing, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do our, and listen, this is the system that I use. If you have a system that works for you better, go for it. You know, this isn't the only way. I don't believe in a one size fits all, but if it's consistent and they know, like my kids drank this Kool-Aid their whole lives, right? So this is what they know, but they will say, if I, you know, if I'm like, listen, I need you to go upstairs and ESP your shoes, she knows what that means. Like, yeah. obviously it's like a separate little language, but you know, they will be able to do that and it's helpful to navigate. So you can set a timer and say, listen, I, I want you to go upstairs for 15 minutes and work on that. So that's a task that you can use if you're in quarantine or out of quarantine. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. You know, I think that's really great. I, I really liked that um, the ESP, I like the four piles as well. And I, I like, so 
what what I like is you know you you are you're teaching your kids this at the same time, which are really um, really important skills to bring along with us. And and if we're not really ever taught how to do this, right? Like this is what I'm saying. Like cleaning and, and parenting or clutter. You know, there's so many parallels to 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 link the two where you know nobody's really ever taught us. So you in a way you're you're with your strategy here with your with your five pitfalls ESP these four these four um, piles uh, and 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 just organizing things is a great place for parents to start too and then teach their kids as they go right and the, and the thing is we have more stuff than ever now don't we uh, you know, and, and it's funny too, because even when you were saying um, how if you're going to ESP a box of toys, all of a sudden your kids like find stuff that they want to play with. That happened to us all the time. If I would, get, when I would get frustrated with my kids, I'd take like the one bin of toys and just dump it upside down. And then all of a sudden they were like happy for like an hour. It was great. It was great. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. And I think again, a lot of times because the parents can't see the forest through the trees that anxiety is like it's it's like passing the clutter torch you know like think of it's like yeah, it just is. deal with it just deal with it because you're stressed at seeing this pile mm -hmm. and so you want to put that off on them and so it's you know again it's understanding and knowing also what battles to pick you know i think as parents and especially in this crazy time, you know, there are certain things, every family is going to have their non-negotiables, right? Some parents, you have to make your bed every day, right? I'm a big believer. I like a made bed, but for somebody else, it's not as important. You know, something else might be more important. So kind of look at your non-negotiables because I think what happens a lot of times is, and you can apply this to probably a lot of areas of parenting, is if you are picking every battle with your kid, they're going to tune you out and not listen to any. So like sit down with your spouse and figure out what, what's really like, what are like the non-negotiables of our family? What are our, you know, I always said like, this is team Palau, like this is a team sport people yeah. and everyone's got to put in. And, you know, as my kids got older, I allow, I allowed them to have more freedom in their room in terms of if it's messier, I didn't stay on top of them the way that I did when they were younger there were different battles that I wanted to pick. Now, did that mean that they could just go, you know, hog wild? Absolutely not. And I did have my breaking point, but for me, what was always a non-negotiable were the common spaces. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, you want to have, if, if the clutter on the floor doesn't bother you in your room I, and you're a teenager, I, you, I don't have to go in there. Right. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Um, you're going to put your shoes away and you're going to hang up your backpack and you're not going to leave you know, toys out on the floor or your stuff, whatever it is, you know, in the common areas. So, you know, understanding kind of and defining what those boundaries are and why. I think is really important. I think it's important too for, for parenting on the whole. And really what you're talking about is setting up your family values and then the boundaries around those values. And if one of your values is cleanliness, um, then what is the boundary around that? Like we, you know, one of the boundaries is that you do clean your bed or you make your bed every day that you do keep you know, stuff off the floor. Or if you are a teenager and look, we want to give teenagers a little bit of slack, right? but no food, like don't let rotting food be in your room. There is a boundary. Sure. You know what? It's your space. I'll allow you to keep it messy. And teenagers are, are messy and they'll be cleaner later. Don't worry about them so much, you know, but, but, but have some hard and fast boundaries that say, look, uh, you can do that, but you cannot eat in there. And that is a boundary I'm going to hold, but you're right. Like we don't want to fight over everything and picking your battles is something we say. We use that term a lot, but it really is um, at the core of where, where you want to be parenting from because you don't want to make an issue about everything. 
because that's exhausting for you and your child. And it's, it's, it's hard on their self-esteem as well. So here's what I want to ask you. I have a couple of like specific questions. So, um, you know, what I've heard you say up to this point is for, for parents and kids for not taking on a massive, massive project necessarily right away, but to, 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 um, you said to sort of chunk it, right. To, to take pieces. Um, and instead of me gutting my entire kitchen, like, why don't I go to the drawer, that junk drawer that we all have, myself included, and and clean that drawer out. Maybe one day, uh, one task every single day is what you do, right? And um, and 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 you just keep it simple, right? Um, I really like that. And being specific with your kids, like go clean your room. What exactly are you asking me to do when I when you say go? Am I dusting? Am I vacuuming? Uh, am I just picking my clothes up? Like, what does that mean? Right. And so to be specific about that uh, and, and look, if your kids need it, I would recommend a checklist. Like this is what cleaning your room means. Here's a little checklist, right? Yeah. I see. You I was just going to, well, I was just going to say, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was going to say, checklists are a big thing for me. And I think as parents to not sound like a broken record and you could do this with anything, you know, um, obviously when my kids were, my younger daughter, um, struggles with ADHD and procedural processing. So if I tell her, go upstairs, brush your teeth, make your bed, mm-hmm. it could be the same test. She Forget literally it. doesn't have the ability to process it. Yes. It doesn't get, so I would get frustrated and then yell and it became a whole, you know, dumpster fire. So what I created was an upstairs checklist in the mornings and a downstairs checklist. So before you come down, make sure, have you done this, 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 Mm -hmm. and it saved me time and energy from repeating myself constantly and getting frustrated. And it also in the same time empowered her Mm -hmm. to be able to say, okay, these are, this is what's expected of me. Am I going to do it without my mom having to nag me? Well, and, and that's, that's the thing about setting up your family values and your boundaries is that you do that. And, and there's lots of process around this that I, that I love to talk about. Uh, but essentially what you're doing is you're putting values in place and everybody agrees in the family. So then when you want to hold a boundary, you say, look, remember, we all agree that cleanliness is important to all of us, or we all agree that, um, you know, working as a team together is important to us. And so we're, this is, this is important. So we'd like you to make your bed, you know, and then if there is resistance, if there is other stuff going on where your child just can't get it done, then you go and say, okay, well, let's work this out. How come it's so hard for you to get your bed done every day? Or, or is it like your child, you know, my, I have a child with ADHD as well, and it is hard for them to keep things, keep track of things. And you do sometimes have to repeat yourself, but you can be okay with that. If you know that your child struggles, this isn't a, a time to shame them and criticize criticize them and all of that stuff. Right. So I am so, it's funny, uh, Lori, I was just on your podcast. You're on my podcast right now. And the funny thing is, is both you and I were sitting while the other was talking like desperate to jump in. You and I could talk for hours. Yeah, for sure. We're going to keep it shorter than that though. <laughs> um, okay. So here's what I wanted to ask you though. At the end of the night, it's time to get to bed and your kids have made a mess and it's time to clean that up. Do you have a way to make that easier on kids and parents, just like at the end of the night? Okay, so I, what I try to do from the get-go, so, okay, when my kids were really little, like, I did, like, the cleanup song, right? Like, again, yeah. like going back, like, back in the days of Barney, like, I'm totally dating myself, oh, like, we're gonna... Right. So like we would do that, but I, as a parent, think it's really important because we live again in this society where we all are trying to cram as much in to our day as possible, which leaves little margin for us. So what I am a big proponent of is, um, well, first of all, I'm a proponent of kind of cleaning as you go. doesn't have to be all the time, but like, and is this a perfect like 
science? Absolutely not. But before you take on an entirely new, like before you start playing with Play-Doh, we're going to clean up the Legos. Or before we start playing this board game, we're going to put our Barbies away, right? Like you try to do some things. So again, it, because just like opening the mail every day as an adult, if you open it every day, it takes two minutes. If you let your mail stack up for a week, it's going to take you a lot longer to navigate through it. Yeah. And that's when the overwhelm and the procrastination, all that stuff is. So that's my first thing. But building in margin of what that playtime and that nighttime routine looks like, building that in of like, okay, so we're going to play. And then we build in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever that time looks like that we're going to do that cleanup as opposed to just throwing everything in this one big heaping mound right? So if you know that it's the end of the day and your kids are going to bed at eight o'clock and you're letting them play, maybe at 7.30, we say, okay, now we're going to do it. And you start the clock then. Just like when my kids were younger and they used to have friends over, like I always said 15 minutes before that play date was over, okay, we're going to start cleaning up now because I always said, you know, you don't want, and most times the kids will oblige because a lot of times what happens is if you don't do that then you as the parent are left doing it or your kid is overtired or overwhelmed so if you build that in as like part of the equation then it just becomes part of your routine part of the routine. Oh, well, that's, that's really great. So you're really good about that, about really being intentional about noticing the time, about paying attention to those things so that you have the time instead of screaming at your kids because there's five minutes left before we've got to get to bed. We've still got to brush our teeth. I still got to read you a story and we've got to clean this all up. And you know, all those things where things can go wrong and we start yelling, we start getting mad, we're impatient, all of those things. So really just taking, taking note, like, okay, we've got to get to bed. Maybe you set an alarm for yourself, a timer for yourself. Like it's seven. We got to get upstairs by seven 30. So let's get going right. Or seven 30 to get upstairs for eight o'clock. Um, so that's, that's really good. So you, what I heard you say is cleaning as you go as much as possible. Um, and if not just really factor that time in that, look, we've got to clean up. And, and, and so we're going to have the time for it. Now, how do you feel about parents helping them with it? Like, is this a job that kids should do on their own? Is it okay for me to help? Am I, um, am I coddling my child too much by helping them? Tell me about I, that. Okay. So I think, first of all, I think it's totally okay for our parents to, to help your kids and to work with them. I think I am always, you know, preaching to adults, like get an accountability partner, get a friend, you know, especially when it comes to something that isn't necessarily fun, like decluttering or organizing or doing stuff up. Now, that's not to say it's to say to your parent, to your child as a parent, listen, you made this mess, you're going to clean it up. But I don't see there anything wrong. If you have the bandwidth as a parent to help your kid, then to make it go quicker and it's going to help them. But again, it's working with them, not doing it for them. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay. Big um, difference. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and the one thing that I just kind of wanted to add that kind of plays in with this is talking about the value proposition, right? And your motivation for wanting this might not be, your kid might be like, the messy toys on the floor doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But I always try to use language thinking back to when my kids were small, where I and my husband traveled a ton. And so I was like a single mom a lot and I was working. And so I always said, listen, if, uh, if you want to have, like, I want to be able to read to you before bed, or I want to be able to have time to watch that TV show or play a game or fill in the, whatever it is with you. That's really important. And if you want to have time with me to do that, then we have to work together to make sure that you're doing what you need to do. So, uh, you know, if I'm doing the dishes, you need to be cleaning up your toys or you need to be brushing your teeth while I'm doing X. Because if we don't do that, then it becomes like a choice as consequences. So if you're choosing not to do that, then that's going to take away time. And then the consequences, we're not going to be able to spend that one-on-one time together. So I think it's understanding that, wow, like, even though I don't care that the toys are like the, 
the toys on the floor might not bother your kid, but having that one-on-one -on -one time with mom or dad is important to them. Mm -hmm. And if they know that they're not going to get that, if as a result of the, of the task or chore being done, mm -hmm. that might be the value to get them to do it. Even if they don't see the value in the bed making yeah. or whatever. Well, and I think that's a really good point because our kids will not see things the way we see them. They don't understand necessarily why it's so important for me to put away my toys when I'm just going to play with them tomorrow. Like, mom, why? Why do I need to, right? So that's, 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 that's great. Like, what's the payoff for you? What's the payoff for me? Um, and, uh, and, and for parents to use this as some time to connect and also some time to teach, right? You want to talk to your kids about what you're doing, why you're doing it, why it's important. So talk to them about that. And, and I do think, look, um, yes, you can say to your kids, nope, you've got to put them all away yourself. You've got to learn how to do this. Or you can go to them and you can say, hey, let's go together. Let's do this together. Which you know, sure, we've done lots of different things throughout the day for our kids and we might not, like you say, have the bandwidth to do it. But when you're helping them, you are connecting with them and, um, you know, it's okay to model kindness for them too, right? Um, I think that's really important. So what about when you want to set up some chores for your kids? Um, do, you do you ever talk about that and, and, and sort of how to do that and how to get them to follow through? Yeah. So there's actually, I do a bunch of talking about it and not like to shameless plug my book, but I have a whole section about age appropriate chores or responsibilities for kid. And also on my website, I've got like a lot of free resources, including like a kid's responsibility checklist yeah. and you can customize it. And so I think kids like jobs, like they, they like to feel empowered in, to do things. And some kids or are more naturally inclined to want to help out in the kitchen. And some would are more inclined to help outside with weeding and other kids. Like I know one of my kids does not mind doing laundry and another one doesn't mind taking out the trash, but for some reason they don't like walking the dog. Right. So I will kind of give them like, here's what needs to get done. Right. Here's our buffet of chores. And, <laughs> and, and again, sometimes as a parent, I'm going to say, I need you to do this. And that's it. Like I, that's, I'm a parent. I'm saying, I need you to do X. And they may or may not like it. But there's a lot of things that like, hey, listen, if you really don't mind putting, you know, your headphones in and listening to music and going out and weeding or mowing the lawn, then you go do that. And if you say, hey, I don't mind doing laundry, like, I allow my kids to kind of navigate and as they get older to say, Hey, I'll do your laundry. If you do this for me, like that's fine. It's getting done. And it's learning these life skills of working together and how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there are age appropriate tasks again. Um, but you can start early, you know, again, as early as, you know, having your kids put their stuff in the, in, you know, bringing it, the dish to the sink or the dishwasher. And one of the specific strategies that I encourage parents to do is make stuff accessible for kids. So even though you might want to have your plates in your cabinet up high, have a drawer or a shelf or something low where you could have those you know, kid plates or kid bowls or kid mm -hmm. stuff accessible so that they can go and help set the table for at least their plate, right? That they can help put stuff away, you know, empower them and make things that you want within their reach to be within their reach because they are little people. And it's, it's, I've seen people say, well, my kid can't, you know, can't do this because, of this. So rework it. So yeah, so maybe your kitchen island wasn't designed to necessarily have plates and bowls, but you're going to put that there for the time being yeah. in this particular season of your life because it makes them able to be part of the process. 
Mm. I, you know, it's so true. Kids love a job. They love to be empowered and they love to help out adults because they see us as the big, powerful people. And if they get to help us, I will never forget the look on my, on my son's face when he was so little and he was helping my husband carry like a piece of fence lattice. And it was the sweetest little look on his face. He was so proud. And you're so right. Um, I never thought of having plates and bowls low down where they could get it so that they could do their own place um, at the table. What a great idea. I love that. I, I love it so much. And look, if your kids are too young, that's when you're helping them. That's when you're teaching them to be independent, right? The whole point is we want to teach our kids to be independent, to be away from us at some time in their lives, which is the whole point, right? So giving them these skills is great. And, um, and I love that you're also looking at what are my kids like? Like, with my kids' different temperaments and personalities, you know, what would they like to do? Maybe one of them does want to zone out and just cut the grass. Like, okay, go for it, you know? And the other one is more hands-on, wants to cook dinner instead. So I, I really, really like that. And and so really what you're saying, work with the kids that you've got, um, teach them, but also look, if you don't really know, you've got resources. Lori Palau has got resources. <laughs> And not only do you have a book, but you have a website. You've got, um, you know, you've got resources there too. And this is what we need, you know, like we said over and over again, nobody tells us how to do this stuff, right? Nobody tells us how to really parent. Nobody tells us how to really keep a home, how to keep things organized and clutter free and where should they go? Uh, you know, I have a hard time. I always worry about the environment. So I'm like, oh, I hope this is recyclable and it's not. And then I have overflowing recycling bin. You know, I've got my own messages in my own head that, you know, stop me from doing things and, 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 and continue the procrastination. So um, I really appreciate this conversation. Uh, I wonder, do you have any last words of wisdom that you can share with, um, with my audience? Well, I, I'm sure I can come up with something, but I have a quick story. If, yeah. I, if I have like a minute, just when you talked yeah. about the environmentally conscious. So this is a real life story and it's great because it has to do with kids. So this is years ago. So I was working with a mom and I happened to know the mom. I knew the, the child and she had her son at the time was probably about eight or 10. And I knew him. Um, and she said, I was helping her with her stuff. And she said, you know, I'm really struggling because my son has this bag of stuffed animals. They'd gone through a move and the bat, there was literally like a contractor garbage bag of stuffed animals that was sitting in the basement. And she's like, he will not let me get rid of them. I don't know what to do. Maybe you can work with him. And I said, absolutely. So he happened to be there one day when he came up from school. And so I was chatting with him and I said, talk to me about these stuffed animals. Cause obviously, and I've, kids who like love stuffed animals and name them and they all have personalities. So like, I get that. Mm -hmm. So I said, they're in the basement. So, but, so you're not enjoying them. You're not snuggling with them. You're not sleeping with them. Why, why can we not get rid of them? Tell me what's going on with you. And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't want them to end up in a landfill. That's just not going mm -hmm. to be environment. Like that's just not good for the environment. And I said, well, what if there was a, a a place that I could, what if I were to tell you that I could donate these to the animal shelter that for the animals that come in, or I could donate them to the local police department for, you know, kids with that need a stuffed animal. Like I gave them another home so that they would not end up in a landfill. And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. So I said, here's your homework. I said, I gave him a bin and I said, you could fill up this bin with as many stuffed animals that you want to keep. It wasn't a huge bin, but it was like a sizable bin. I said, you could fill up as much as it fills in here and everything else is going to get donated. Okay. Agreed. And he said, sure, no problem. I came back the following week and there were three stuffed animals in his bin. And I'm thinking, mm -mm. he didn't do it. He got, you know, look at our clutter pitfalls. He got distracted or overwhelmed or whatever. So he came home from school and I was like, did you, you know, what happened, bud? Like, we didn't get a chance to do it. And he goes, no, I, I did it. And I said, there's only three stuffed animals in there. 
And he goes, yeah, those are really the only ones that really matter to me. The rest don't matter. As long as we can donate them to another, another place, then I'm fine with it. And all it did, and I'm not a miracle worker, but all <laughs> I did was engage in a conversation. Yeah. And I think communication is really the key of understanding what the stronghold is. Yeah. And in that particular case, he felt empowered. No one forced him. There was no threatening. There was no yelling. Now, granted, obviously, when you have a third party, your kids are always better listeners than to your parents. Sure. Sure. But just by saying, giving them that, that solution and allowing them to be part of the process, the kid walked away with three stuffed animals that didn't even need a bed. So it was just a great, and I tell this story all the time because it's so relevant. And I think a lot of times we don't want to be wasteful. We are, you know, we talk about guilt as one of the, the clutter pitfalls mm -hmm. and it can apply in so many different areas. I mean, I've done episodes just about guilt, but I think it's so important to look at that. Mm -hmm. So I guess kind of my parting words is allow your kids to have some skin in the game. You know, once they have some skin in the game, um, then they start to realize the value and they also start to see the time it takes to do this. And maybe they will think twice about like, taking every toy out if they know that they have to put it back, you know, or holding on and realizing that if I, um, you know, if my room is, isn't super cluttered with stuff, I can actually enjoy the stuff that I have in here. So just allowing them to, to kind of own that and really see like, what is it that I, what is it that I want really? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think they don't know. So give them the language. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. Skin in the game is, is really good. And as kids get older, I think it's important that they have more skin in the game too. So, uh, so that's really great. Um, I think, you know, what you just said is really at the core of what I teach and that is not to look at the surface of what's going on, but to go under and say, okay, let's have a conversation about it. How come? how come this is going on? And that's what you did. And you listened for understanding and you said, okay, how can we create a win-win? That's what I'm all about. That's what this is all about. And so you've just demonstrated this in a cleaning uh, or a decluttering. And, and, and I, and I think that's a really important, um, you know, way to tie this together is that it, you know, as humans, we just need to communicate with each other. We need to connect with each other so that we can figure out what's going on. As humans, we're messy, you know, inside and out, right? And so it's like, we've all got a reason for why we do things that we do. And so just understanding it allows us to show up with more empathy and compassion for the other person as well. Absolutely. And it's fluid, right? This is a practice. This is something that's ongoing. Going. I mean, and I say this to people all the time, I wish I could say you organize something once it's one and done, but it's just like exercise or eating right or anything else that we do. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, as we go through seasons of life, you know, right now, as the time of this recording, we're under quarantine. So we have a lot more stuff in our house that we're accessing on a regular basis. So you probably have more stuff on your counters than you would normally like, or the, there's more toys out because the kids are home 24 hours a day. So we have to give ourselves permission that there are going to be seasons and times in our lives where clutter is just going to be like a, a byproduct mm -hmm. of where we are, but it doesn't mean that that's like a permanent state of mind. Yeah. I love that. That's great. That's a beautiful place to end. Thank you for that. Thank you for your wise words, for your help, for your support. And all of your details will be in the show notes. Again, you have a podcast called This Organized Life. Your book is called Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized. Lori Palau, you are awesome. Thank you for being here. I so appreciate you. Well, thanks. I appreciate you too. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace.